Soldiers, no poor sap ever won a war by dying for his country. He won it by being all that he can be. Damn the torpedoes, or give me death. Eternal vigilance is the price of duty. And to the victors go the spoils. So remember, you are the best of the best of the few and the proud. So ask not what your country can do for you. Only regret that you have but one life to live. Welcome back to Rotten Rewind, a podcast that takes critically maligned movies from the recentish past out of the box, and we just play with them one more time. Yeah. If a film can't cross the 60% score that RottenTomatoes.com sets as its freshness guideline, it's up for grabs for us to discuss here on the podcast. I'm Max Rue. Yeah, and I'm Courtney Peranto. And today we're continuing our vulgar auteurism miniseries with mm-hmm. two possibly misunderstood amped up action films from the 1990s. 1993's John McTiernan, Schwarzenegger's self-reflective Ode to Hollywood Excess, Last Action Hero, and Joe Dante's return to toy satire, Small Soldiers. Yeah. And here to help us untangle these two films, Chad Oligood. Welcome back, Chad. Welcome back. So soon after Waterworld. I, I had to come back. I asked <laughs> to do these ones. I was like, can I get Small Soldiers and Last Action Hero? Sought them out. Yeah, you saw you saw our lineup and you were very quick to to go for small soldiers. Both of these movies were like a big part of my childhood. Oh, I, I, I had never seen brothers, either. No sisters. So like both of these movies were just on in the background of my Okay. There's no girls allowed. I probably was like the kind of, you know, the Schwarzenegger domesticity tip. Like I was more kindergarten cop, junior, twins. Oh, yeah. That was my Schwarzenegger. Uh, and then like I did have like kind of like a boy cousin who really liked like Predator. But it really, Predator is fucking incredible. Yeah. It really it's, scared me. Yeah. This also is also directed by McTiernan, right? Yeah. I think McTiernan, McTiernan is definitely one of the top guys that gets mentioned in the conversation about vulgar altruism. There's obviously had an incredible 80s, late 80s run with Die Hard and Predator. Just setting the stage for what action movies were going to be. So it's interesting that they bring him back to parody the genre that he kind of helped build up with Last Action Hero, which we'll mm-hmm. talk about because I think a lot of people think that he, that was the problem with the movie is that he wasn't a self-reflective enough director to tackle like his own genre. Yeah, like they thought that, you know, like a, you know, like a Zemeckis or somebody should have taken it on. That's uh, interesting. Because there is yeah. something wrong with it. There's a reason yeah. why it didn't hit beyond just the like publicity yeah. problems and the timing because it was right after Jurassic Park. There's a lot to unpack with the behind the scenes. But I, I recently just tried to catch up on all of his movies that I hadn't seen. The only one I still haven't seen is Medicine Man. I don't know why I have no desire to watch Medicine Man. I don't Man. even know what the fuck that is. You Wait, would know the other cover if you saw it yeah. with Sean Connery. It is. It's Sean Connery and Lorraine Bracco in the jungle. Sean Connery finds the cure for cancer. Well, oh, Jesus. I know why you don't want to see this movie. Look at it. You know what it is? It's the font. The you, font oh, makes yeah. me not want to watch it. No, what is it? It's like font? kind of papyrusy. Papyrus, it's kind of like pre Avatar papyrus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, and you're wrong. I don't know this cover. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Uh, that was yeah, a cover I saw at the video store clock. a lot growing up. So I watched his first movie, Nomads, with Pierce Brosnan um, that came mm. out before Die Hard, which is. Uh, <laughs> 
Really? Um, no. no. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan has an insane French accent in it. Oh. And you just don't know why. And also, like, I had to put subtitles on because I was like, I don't know what the fuck he's saying. <laughs> but yeah, so then he he does Die Hard, and, or he does Predator, and then he does Die Hard. And then okay. he does The Hunt for Red October, which is, like, a totally solid, oh, like, early 90s yeah. Jack Ryan thriller. And then he goes to federal prison. He goes to federal prison in the early two thousands. Yeah, John McTiernan goes to yeah. prison. So he for, for fraud he, or he, no, 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 he was a part of that wiretapping case. Um, so he was one of the celebrities that hired that PI to spy on people for him. There was a whole lawsuit that got caught up. He does him. have a lot of ex wives. I'm looking at his Wikipedia right now. It, my man, he has more <laughs> ex wives than like not my dad. He yeah. doesn't have my dad beat. He's in the four timers. My dad's in the six timers club. Okay. So. <laughs> Six ex-wives? My dad has four ex-wives, but he's been married six times because number five is also number six and they're still together now. Wow. Anyway, yeah. Were they all mysteriously murdered? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My dad is the Encino hairdresser who has been quietly murdering all of his ex-wives. Yeah, no, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He went to jail and then he filed for bankruptcy. But yeah, he hasn't made a movie How in, long was he in, in almost 20 for? years. About a year? Yeah, I don't think super okay. long. I love McTiernan. McTiernan's a fucking beast. He does Medicine Man, then he does Last Action Hero, and then Last Action Hero just fucking exhausts him and almost sends him into retirement. And then he comes back with Dire with a Vengeance, which we will be discussing next week. And then in 99, he does two, he has the Thomas Crown Affair, the remake, which is actually very I, good. That one's good. It's a very good remake. And then the 13th Warrior, which was a mess. Don't know it. uh, it's within Tony Banderas playing a Muslim. It's not. Oh, yeah. I think I remember you telling me about this. I think that there's a better movie in there that he made that did not get released because they did reshoots with Michael Crichton directing. And then he does the 2002 roller, uh, remake of Rollerball, which I think well, I kind of fucks. That. Okay. I think Rollerball really? kind of fucks. Look at the it's worth watching. And his last movie is Basic, the kind of Rashomon style thriller with John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson, Connie Nielsen. Okay. Not bad. Like a totally solid like B minus movie with like kind of a dumb twist. Travolta is the worst part of it. He's just really miscast. He's supposed to be like a very like machismo, like fucking supposed to be the best interrogator in the DA or some shit. And they bring him in and he's just so not that guy. He's it's like Travolta cool. trying to be like cool and masculine. And like I one of his tactics is supposed to be to like kind of like just kick back and <laughs> act like he's just talking to you. But Travolta is so awkward. So he does this thing where he just like lays on a table kind of like Pardon a me? like a teenage girl like kind of like on the phone with her girlfriend or something like that and you're just like what the fuck is this guy doing it's a very bizarre like if he's recast it's a it's a much better movie anyway mctiernan is a pretty fascinating guy anthony pelicano that was the the pi that got yeah. caught up in that whole case. I, so I don't think I know about this case, which is strange because it seems like something. Or no, he like. was wiretapping. So he was wiretapping, not only like wiretapping a producer on Rollerball because he thought he was trying to fuck him out of the movie. So he had a wiretap. And I think that's tight. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, McTiernan's, yeah, he's one of the best action directors. Like, I think he's a pretty undervalued guy in a lot of ways, even if he's made a couple flops. Like, you can't deny a handful of his movies. No, Die Hard and Predator fucking rule. And I mean, we're gonna, we get to talk about it later in the series, but like Die Hard was a vengeance. Like, and I it's, think it's, it's just as good as the original. I think it's just as good. It might be partially because like, you know, Die Hard has been like fatigued because we're like used to it. Like Die Hard with a vengeance is like, it's like, it shocks me every time I see it. It's so good. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about it. We were originally going to do Last Action here on Die Hard with a Vengeance together for the McTiernan one, but I feel like these two make, more sense together because they're both commentaries on the genre i guess obviously small soldiers i think is a more successful satire 
Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, I think because Joe Dante is just a good satirist, like he's just perfect for that material. Chad, you grew up with with I know you said that Small Soldiers was a movie you grew up with. I had a birthday party, like with a bunch of other young boys. We went and saw that as part of like a birthday that all I the had. boys got. I the remember, earth. yeah, we were like, that's really like, cute. We're gonna, we're gonna get pizza and go see Small Soldiers. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, so cute. I know that's what you did, yeah, because we both have uh, summer birthdays. You're August third, right? Yeah, you know, everyone was always off for summer vacay, and it was. Uh, yeah, I don't know what movies came out summer. on my birthday. Franklin, Tennessee. On your birthday? I could May. probably tell you what some movies were. Yeah. Um, but you, I, you definitely had a deep impact birthday. Like, okay. At one point. The same year as, 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 as Small Soldiers. Small Soldiers was 98. I remember seeing it in theaters and probably not grasping the satire yeah. in it at all. I remember because this was also when I, this is peak having a crush on Sarah Michelle Geller. So knowing that yeah. she was a voice in it was a big deal. How old do you think people are when they understand satire? Because there's like a bunch of shit that like I even liked at that age, at like a youngish age that like now when I look back, I'm like, oh, it's able to sort of do right. both. I don't know, because there's something that you're probably like unconsciously grasping about a movie like Small like something Soldiers. Like, yeah, or something I would say like maybe more successful, like Josie and the Pussycats. Like I definitely yeah. just liked it as like a teen movie, but then also as an adult, I'm like, oh, this is like really fucking funny. Yeah. And I don't know like when that happens. I think like puberty probably, <laughs> like when, when cynicism <laughs> enters your life and you realize that like not everything is marshmallow fluff in this world. Yeah, I mean, I went through puberty around 9-11, so that was a big year for me. <laughs> An inciting incident right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I started coming and then the, the planes hit oh the towers God. and I started understanding satire. And so I'm going to tell my kids that they'll understand they satire. You're going to understand <laughs> satire as soon as you start coming. I promise you. Last Action Hero was a movie that I just remember seeing. Like, I remember it was funny, like watching it because I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. And it's just like one of those things where you're like, have I seen this movie all the way through? Like, I remembered so many moments and like scenes and like images from it that just like from watching it on TV. But then there was so much where I was like, it made me question, like, if I had actually seen it as a kid or just, like, parts of it or something like that. I definitely had never seen it, and it didn't even, like, ring that familiar. Well, there's just... weird nostalgia mm-hmm. thing where, like, you smell something that yeah. reminds you of, like, your grandma's laundry room or something. And so, like, every scene, I, I was you were like... say lingerie for a second. Me too. Like, me too. Thank <laughs> you for Chad, 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 no, no, no. <laughs> grandma's panties. You know when you watch this movie, you think that smells like grandma's panties. <laughs> and you put a stove, a stove as lasagna in the You guys aren't getting that, do Just like grandma's panties. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that we should obviously start you- in 1993 with Last yeah. Action Hero. Um, the movie that John McTiernan described as the worst time I've ever had in this business. Columbia Pictures is proud to present the screen's greatest action hero, Jack Slater. Slater, you hear me? This is the lieutenant governor. Slater, here's what I The governor gets here, call me. And Danny Madigan is his biggest fan. (laughs) Jack Slater 4. But tonight, a magic ticket. It's a passport to another world. Will get Danny closer to the action (laughs) than anyone ever dreamed. I'm Danny Madigan. I'm a kid. And you're going with him. Who is this twerk? And where is that smile on his face? I don't even know this kid. To a world that's bigger than life. 
This ticket is magic, and it really works. And better than real. You really believe that you're inside a movie, don't you? Yes! This summer, Arnold Schwarzenegger is Jack Slater. No! This hero stuff has its limits. And Jack Slater is the last action hero. The big ticket for 93. I'll be back. Ha! You did not gonna say that, did you? That's what you always say. I do. Last Action Hero is basically, what if the Purple Rose of Cairo happened to a kid with a dead dad? So uh, Woody Allen plays the kid, which would be <laughs> great. I can't direct a picture. I'm blind. No, you know what <laughs> the kid is in? Because I was like trying to read up. I have stuff. no idea. I've, I imagine that he tried out for home improvement and didn't get any, any role. That tracks. That's on point. No, he's in my favorite. <laughs> movie which I, I bet is rotten and you could do lawnmower man oh he is in okay. lawnmower man he's also in lawnmower lawnmower man 2 beyond cyberspace or job's war depending um, on where you were when the movie was released i'm putting it out here <laughs> i'm not into this kid uh i think this kid sucks i think he's okay. the worst part of the <laughs> i don't yeah, i don't like him I, I don't even line. think he's a horrible actor it's not that i just think he's so annoying and not right for this part yeah. um, but yeah he is in lawnmower man he comes back for lawnmower man too because he said what the fuck else am i gonna do yeah this what year? else am i doing this is a movie about this kid danny played by austin o'brien this kid who we are putting it out there we do not stand we do not stand austin o'brien the movie stands austin o'brien <laughs> the movie, movie likes does. this kid yeah, yeah. he's uh he's, he's obsessed dad. with with action movies and and uh, an action star who is basically a schwarzenegger-esque star jack slater or the character is jack slater yeah the character is jack, jack slater but we're sort of living in our world so schwarzenegger is still schwarzenegger yes one day danny after being the victim of a home invasion <laughs> goes oh yeah to, and getting handcuffed to a toilet uh goes to um his local theater which is in where he's looks way like, too close with this old man yeah he goes to his his local theater where there is a wise old man who could also be doing some dark things yeah, doing with Danny. Some Woody Allen uh, shit, yeah. Yeah, come on, Danny. I'll let you see the Jack Slater movie ahead of every, <laughs> all your friends, huh? <laughs> he gives him a magic ticket that was apparently given to him by Harry Houdini. Unnecessary. <laughs> it's rare that you see a movie where you really see the six different writers who worked on its yeah. contributions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, being so at odds with each other. But yeah, he's given this, this uh, magic ticket, which transports him into Jack Slater 4, where he gets to meet his favorite movie star Arnold Schwarzenegger as Jack Slater uh, but once he's through the screen the man we recognize as Schwarzenegger is fully immersed in the plot and the world of his characters so movie rules apply he's seemingly invisible and the good guys always win while pursuing the bad guys Jack must break through to the real world and face the actualities of the real world there's a lot going on uh, there's a lot more than that. It, there's so many meta layers to this movie it's hard to even kind of fully explain the plot because it kind of doubles down on itself yeah. Every like 15 minutes. The pacing is very strange. Yeah. It's a movie that I think you think is going to be over and then you realize there's 45 minutes left. That's the exact point that I thought it was going to be over to. The cameos. Well, the, the cameos, cameos I like. I mean, it's one of my favorite parts too. I just, I feel like they don't lean into it enough. Yeah. I, well, I guess that's the main issue at last action hero and because obviously i know about its tumultuous history and it's been you know it's had a resurgence it's had its own reappraisal it's a nostalgic favorite for a lot of people the thing with last action hero is i i think that there's 
really great elements to it yeah. that just don't fully coalesce or they're just undercut in the next scene by something else. I do actually think the things that work about McTiernan making it is that because he's such a great action director, whether it's intentional or not, he doesn't really, he finds a way to not differentiate the movie world with the real world in a way that I think is really interesting where it all feels like one. So it, I feel like somebody else might have gone really, really over the top with the movie world, but I think he finds a way to still unite the two in a way where like, the line between realities like blur and yeah. i do love that when charles dance goes into the real world and just starts killing people and is like i just murdered somebody they didn't deserve to die and nobody gives a fuck <laughs> yeah yeah it's one of those movies that if someone anti-cgi or whatever like were to like put up a still from the movie i would be like fuck yeah this movie's gonna like i, I want to see it and then once i was like immersed in it i liked seeing it i felt a little less fuck yeah about it but also like i have no nostalgic grip on the movie i didn't know it existed really it reminded me of a little of a movie that like i think one of the writers worked on that i find to be like of its own universe but just like almost too mean is like the adventures of ford fairlane unfortunately stars andrew dice clay and it's also sort of like a hollywood satire and i do think that like it is more successful because it is a funnier movie it's oh, also like pretty gross yeah, yeah, yeah i mean it's andrew dice clay but i actually think that like that movie is is making like kind of a lot of the same jokes even and it has like the same landscape of like hollywood doing hollywood i think that it's it's actually pretty fun once it first starts it kind of starts hitting the same beats over and over and it feels like it just doesn't know where to go or what the rules of its own universe are which is always complicated and because there's so many different writers that come on board. The original writers, Zach Penn and, and Adam Left. Zach Penn has gone on to write a lot of pretty major franchises. They wrote this movie. Uh, they started working on it in the late 80s. They had written two features together. They went to Wesleyan together and then they wrote two features. They didn't sell and they were trying to figure out like, how do we sell a script? What do we do? They came up with this idea based on, you know, loving action movies and being like, hey, what if we did something where this kid was able to get transported into an action movie with his favorite star and we and, and, and he could help him save the day because he knows all the rules and he knows how to, you know, it's almost like pre dating scream in a weird way with like the self-awareness oh yeah it sounds like it was a really great idea it, it, it also was yeah. just a, it was originally called extremely violent that's hot and so they just wanted to do yeah this really kind of fun or irreverent satire on, on action movies that could also work as an action movie and so the script is pretty popular it gets kind of passed around first the studio took it basically they were like this is a great idea this is a great script but it's not like fully polished it's not professional enough so they they sent it over to shane black and david arnott Shane Black obviously is Shane Black. He writes Lethal Weapon. He's probably the biggest screenwriter in Hollywood at the time. And I guess the writers at the time were like, oh, it was really ironic because we watch all these Shane Black movies and love Shane Black when we were working on this. And then the script gets passed to Shane Black to rewrite and polish. Shane Black comes on board. They change up a couple things. McTiernan gets brought on board. McTiernan wants to change a bunch of other shit. Doesn't fully want to lean into, I guess, a lot of the satire. Originally, it was a hard R. But then when Arnold it comes on board, it should be a harder R. It should be. That's the problem. Yeah, Arnold comes on board and is basically like, it does feel like the start of Arnold making more kid friendly shit. That was, yeah, that was like yeah. a conscious way. And in some ways, I feel like it has to be Arnie because it has to be like a, an action hero kind of guy. But I also don't know if Arnold Schwarzenegger is like 
a good enough actor at some of the things that it wants him to do. Like part of me is like Bruce Willis would have been better. <laughs> like he just like is funnier. Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's like, I don't know. He's like, he's stiff. And I get that that's like his point. Like I also don't think The Rock could do this. I get that though. Cause I, I remember feeling when I was watching it, like, like he's not, he's just not selling some of the- He's not selling it. I don't know if he's like the person to do satire. I don't know if it's like partially the accent, but like, I think that like someone like Willis is able to do like just a little bit more because like when he has those scenes with like his black cop boss, it's important that the cop is black. I want to say, I think that like that actor can sell those scenes, but like, I don't think that like they have enough chemistry because like, I don't think Arnold really is like giving it giving into like the material. I think he is and he isn't. I think there's just only, there's just a, a ceiling with, with, with Arnold that he just can't yeah. surpass. And like we talked about with Stallone last week, he's not the actor that a Stallone or a Willis is. Stallone can give a really interesting layered performance and, and Bruce Willis obviously can play a seasoned and bitter. Even Mel Gibson in the Lethal Weapon movies has this insanity yeah. to him, but also this charisma. Arnold's not the guy for that. I do think on paper he is right for this and he is right for that part. Yeah. It, it's just unfortunately yeah he does and he doesn't work there's a scene that actually i think is so interesting and one of the better scenes in the movie when they get to the real world or when before they go to the real world and they're in the they're in the movie and they have to go to where arnold lives and it's just this empty yeah. apartment by the freeway that's really depressing yeah yeah and it's like the most depressing apartment doesn't and he's just sitting there and he's like i don't have a wife i don't have anybody you know like i don't have any friends and like he's just really lonely and there's He's something- like, yeah, yeah, my ex-wife, like, I have to walk the long way home because, like, my ex-wife, like, all the my ex-wife bits were really funny. Yeah, I, I like that. And I was like, oh, there's something really, it just, like, that was a scene that hinted at something so much more interesting. And I think Arnold's yeah. actually good in that scene. I think he's good when he's just, like, I'm pathetic, you know? Like, he's yeah, just I think sitting you're on right. mattress in an empty apartment next to the 405. <laughs> but also, like, how often does Schwarzenegger play, like, an ex-husband? To me, that is more, like, of a Bruce Willis archetype, yeah. too. That, that's like when I was like fuck I really I, I I think those scenes are the funniest and I think they work the best but that's when I really was like wanting Bruce Willis to be in this because I I mean I love Bruce Willis but yeah I mean it's just yeah. Arnold physically embodies that person so much more like you look at he him does. that is the guy that every kid looks up to and it and is obsessed with as an action star it would be so up. dark to go the opposite way and do Seagal like <laughs> <laughs> he would just kill the kid sorry I'm not in the kids I'm not a babysitter um <laughs> yeah. he just he would be so lazy that's my yeah, last action hero is just Seagal I mean, is he I gives think up that on you saving still these. make this movie unfortunately if they remade it they would cast The Rock I think the rock could work because I do think that no, as much as they would I, turn it into Jungle Cruise 2. The well, last no, it would no, no, but I think the rock in with a good director and being more self reflective could work because I do think that the rock is a good actor when he wants to be, he just doesn't Hasn't. really choose to be anymore. Um, I still want the Seagal cut though, I'm still, mm-hmm. I'm like still itching. <laughs> what can I say? I don't have a nice Schwartz. No, he would never he go would with do it. a sequel. Oh, I'm sure he would. He said, I think, of in course a, he would. Like in yeah. an interview, he said there are two movies he would what are come they? back for. And do. One? one was, uh, I think he said he would do Total Recall again if they oh. ever did a. Maybe okay. I'm quoting, but it, it's a, you know, I don't know. I guess it's something that you can really remake in any decade after it comes out because it's still kind of relevant. I guess. It or would, would it be, be like more... that Ryan Reynolds movie that came out with Jodie Comer? That's like more. It's like oh, about video games. Yeah, it probably, I feel like yeah. it might be like that. So yeah. oh, I don't know. I didn't see it. Uh, me either. Me either. Ryan Reynolds, like as much as I like Jodie Comer, like Ryan Reynolds really leaves me chafed. 
Yeah, really, really not. It actually hurts now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it puckers. No, I get that. Uh, God, that's I'm thinking of last section with Ryan Reynolds now, and that sounds uh, very that sounds bad. So, like, that's what I would be scared that studios would do now is like put someone like Ryan Reynolds in it. I don't know who could do it. Like, I'm gonna pick someone that I always pick when we talk about doing a remake, even though I don't think that like their physicality may be right. Uh, I'm gonna pick Andy Samberg to be the lead (laughs) of a last action hero because I think he gets it and he like gets satire you need someone like that it would be the funny thing is that actually a Keanu could pull this off because oh you're right has enough self-awareness to to kind of comment on his Mm -hmm. own persona Arnold it's just like the thing with him and Stallone and those guys of that era is there's so much ego even Bruce Willis had ego but Bruce Willis was just naturally a more human flawed person when he's on screen so you're naturally kind of more I mean he's also like Arnold Schwarzenegger is incredibly in shape but Bruce Willis is hot there's a difference like like there's that one throwaway line where like like one of the Belushi brothers brings his wife to like a Jim Belushi brings his wife to like an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie and we're supposed to believe that like that's his wife's biggest crush and it's like I don't know how many people were like crushing on Arnold Schwarzenegger. I, I do like the, I do like Arnold playing on Arnold in this movie when he's just like a shill oh. for like Planet Hollywood on the red carpet. He's like, Planet Hollywood's going to be the best. <laughs> like, yeah. And his wife's like, okay, shut up. <laughs> like, it's okay. You need to sit down now. And he's like, well, I'm talking about Planet Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that shit is all great. But I think that, that is like funny. one of my favorite moments in it when he like attacks himself. Like, Arnold, yeah. Jack Slater or whatever his name is like in the uh auditorium and he says like i don't really like you all that much oh he says yeah he says you brought me nothing but pain dark yeah it's like oh weird you've brought me nothing but pain is such an interesting line Mm -hmm. yeah there's like so you still get i think that they should have gone through the screen again into the real world sooner that happens 45 minutes it happens a movie. little late. It, you spend so much time in the movie land doing like movie bits about how like he can't die, bloody, bloody, blah. Because I do think the movie's at its height when the like the two Arnolds have to become the closest. Like I think it's funner once it's like back in the real world. Cause like, then you get that scene where I think it's like the Tom Noonan character where mm-hmm. he's on the red carpet and they're like, Oh, it's, it's the guy who plays the bad guy in the movie. What, what, like, what are you up to lately? And he's like, I'm thinking of killing someone. Yeah, he's like, I'm thinking of killing someone that's tonight. Funny. And they go, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> like, that's funny. I mean, honestly, like, I think that there's like little jokes like that. Like, even though this is like a much more bombastic movie that feel very like Barry or something. Something. like I'm like okay you could do like a really dark Barry-esque version of this where it's just like about how like shitty everyone is but once they're in the movie and it's like the purple rose of Kyra part it's like a little deflated after a while where I'm yeah. just like okay I get it like I get it I mean, speaking of Tom Noonan, Tom Noonan, I think he's great in this. He is great. He's terrifying. This. He's so scary. I love Tom Noonan. He is so scary in Manhunter. He just has a scary presence. Is he like six foot eight? Like he's, he's, he's huge. He's a big guy. Yeah. yeah. I, so they <laughs> they talked to, there was an interview I read with Shane Black. And yeah, I guess he was talking about basically being brought on the movie. Also, I always forget that Shane Black is in Predator. I always forget that he actually acts in Predator. Which is yeah, tight. me too. But yeah, so he worked with McTiernan. They were friends. He got brought on. And then when McTiernan got brought on, he said, you know, McTiernan made a lot of hits. So the studio just basically said, like, let him do whatever he wants. And then we watched as John rewrote the whole thing. Again, I have a lot of fondness for John. He's an interesting guy with a lot to say. He just wasn't keen on things that we had written. So yeah, basically like 
you have this original script that's really inventive and interesting, but like a little unpolished. And so they bring in, you know, the biggest screenwriter in the fucking world to polish it up, gets paid a fuckload of money. And then John McTiernan does his own rewrite on it and fucks with the formula again. And it becomes even more confused. And then he's unhappy. So he brings in like the top script polisher, William Goldman, who wrote The Princess Bride. So William Goldman gets brought in. He gets paid a million dollars to do a polish on it. So they're just throwing money at screenwriters to polish this thing. It just never really fully recovers, it seems like. And there was- being the biggest problem with it. Yeah. Too many fucking people trying to mess around with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because there's like some things even up at the beginning when we're in like the frame narrative of the fake action movie where like like the bad guys, like he like almost blows up his own kid that I'm like, oh, that's like dark and kind of funny. I also just didn't understand the whole sequence at the um, the Hyatt Hotel. I was like, I don't understand what they're doing at this guy's funeral. Yeah. And then I, I wish they made this kid, like, he's clearly horny for the actress or the character who plays the actress. Bridget heroes. Wilson. Yeah. The Billy, she's in Billy Madison, right? Yeah. Um, He's clearly horny for her. I wish they would have made him, like, more horny for her. You wanted them to fuck? And, no, I'm just saying, like, he just <laughs> seems like he has, like, a sweet crush. And it's like, come on. you. I just feel like they could have done more with her, the character, because she feels gain. Like, she seems yeah. like she's about it. Yeah, like, like, she wants... So I just wish they could have, like, had a little bit more scenes with her, too. Yeah, she's kind of underutilized. Like, she also just disappears. That's what I mean. I don't she want them to in, fuck. I just... No, you want him to smash. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, when she, when she comes back and with the monster truck at the end, you're kind of like, oh, wait, where the fuck did she go? Thank you. Yeah, That's there's all a lot of. I think that they could have been like paired off in interesting scenes. I do like all the scenes with the mom though. That first scene where he's like bizarrely tying her weird tie for her, and she's like, "I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for your to be a widow at 39 or whatever." I'm like. Okay, that's funny. That's a good material. I like that. I think she's also game. Yeah, I I mean, like with the kid, I think it's like I, I think the it's kid a great. Sucks. It's just the act. Like I think it's a good setup to have this kid who just you know obviously for me like I relate in some way or like I'm. It's a nice way in to be like oh yeah like I understand that like growing up with like a single mom and like having this escapism that takes you out of the real world and mm-hmm. being obsessed with movies like this and growing up with action movies like this like I obviously totally relate to that and understand that and i really love that there's something about the kid that's he's a dipshit dude I, yeah it, it's <laughs> is it the way that he is it like i i hate to yeah, say this, it's it the way that he looks the way he looked i don't know he just like he just like looks like a kid that like would have made fun of me where i'm just like can this kid be more winning like more likable also i think that like yeah because he's not an orphan because his dad is dead into the movie at the very end where it's like questionable whether the action hero version of arnold schwarzenegger is gonna live i think that like that desperation that the kid needs Arnold Schwarzenegger's character to live, he needs Jack to live, should feel emotionally resonant if it's deciding to be not hard R, if it's deciding to kind of walk like the family friendly line, then I think that like you need to sell that scene and that kid need, like you need to feel something there. And I just didn't feel anything. He does look like he's miscast. He also just looks like he smells like farts. That kid looks like he's a real slice of cheese pizza. (laughs) Like I, I get what you're saying, Courtney, where he looks, he's got that he does look like, like he rubs pizza on his face. The bully kid from uh, Christmas Story. He's yeah. got that kind of like he's like, this kid the has class a slingshot. clown, the bully, yeah. Dennis yeah, this the menace calls ass, he- punk ass. Yeah, yeah this yeah. kid calls people a fag, and he tells, <laughs> <laughs> he does like yeah. the like 
PP and my Coke thing to me. And I'm just like, you look like a piece of shit. Like you can give him a Jonathan Taylor Thomas haircut, but he's no Jonathan Taylor Thomas. That's what I have to say. I understand you're interested in drug dealers. Yes. Jack, that's him, the henchman with the glass side. Sir, are you a henchman? No, I only go as far as lucky. Will there be anything else? Yeah, take off your sunglasses. Who's asking? The Tin Man. Well, Tin Man, suppose you hit the bricks. Nah, they're the wrong color. Are they? Oh, dear. By all means, let's change them. Would arterial red suit you? Charles Dance. Charles Dance is really... He's fun. Um, I, that part was offered to Alan Rickman, and Alan Rickman turned oh. it down because he wanted more money. Charles Dance apparently wore a shirt on set that said, I'm cheaper than Alan Rickman. Wow. I think uh, Anthony Quinn is incredible in it. Who does he play again? He, like, like the like mafioso the, guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yeah, mafioso. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, and like yeah. one of the best Hawaiian shirts I've ever seen. Yeah. And it's just like such cool stunt casting. Yeah, I think that he's really fucking funny. I feel like we have this conversation a lot on this podcast where we're like, I like this movie. I think that I would recommend seeing this movie, but like, I just wish it would have like gone full throttle at Saturday. It's not fully, yeah, it's not fully committed to any of the bits that it really wants to do. And it has like, I think the first time the kid comes into the movie world and he's in the back of the car during that chase. Like, I think that's fun. Like it needed to like yeah. maintain that energy of like a guy getting impaled by an ice cream cone. And like, mm-hmm. it's fun. And like, I also, I would love to see a full length version of Hamlet with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Me there too. Um, moments, though, where it's like, you get the sense that that's what they were aiming for. Or that's yeah. what he's trying to be. Like the part where he's, he falls into the tar pits and he's covered in all yeah. the like black oil I didn't realize this when I was a kid, but like he's wiping himself off and like they cut to the kid and then they cut back to him and he's, he goes from like being filthy to like completely clean. And it's just like ridiculous and kind of absurd. This has that self-awareness that it's like being silly, but something about it is like not fully committed. I think if it was just Shane Black rewriting it, like it probably would have been a much better script. I'm probably out of everyone in the movie, like the biggest like fan of Shane Black that, a lot of times when I felt like something was really working, I would like give him the credit for it. Like the ex-wife stuff. I was like, oh, I bet that was Shane Black. Like, That's gotta be Shane Black. That. That's yeah. a huge Shane Black touch. If this movie would have taken place I mean, Christmas, the problem I mean, with yeah. the movie is like literally on IMDb when you go to it and then when you scroll all the way down past like trivia and shit, the movie that it's like, if you like this movie, maybe you would also like, and then it's like Indian in the cupboard. Oh, I, I was like, remember Indian in the cupboard. I was like, hell no. <laughs> like, yeah. I just don't think it knows, yeah, what it is. And like, so therefore, n- neither does the IMDb. <laughs> I love the the Shane Black quote when he saw the first cut. He said it was a mess. There was a movie in there struggling to emerge, which would have pleased me. But what they'd made was a jarring random collection of scenes. Also, they rewrote every line of ours. And I don't like the dialogue that they wrote. I also love the quote that he had about the kid where he said the casting of the little boy was one of the absolute misfires of Western culture. Whoa. He doesn't like the little boy. This kid smells like He was meaner than us. Yeah. This kid smells like shit. And then, yeah, like the huge thing with the movie is that it went into production in late 1992 and they announced it with a 19 a june 1993 release date and they were so firm about it because they were like if we budge on the release date people are going to think that we have a shitty movie on our hands and that we right. fucked up and we're not confident in it which is just like insane it's like you guys are gonna lose so much money and then universal announces like we're gonna release jurassic park the week before last action hero and then when that happened 
everybody a part of this movie was like, you have to move the release date. You can't open this the week after Jurassic Park. The Columbia head was like, fuck that. We're releasing it when I say we're releasing it. Um, and I guess the writer, the original writer, Zach Penn, called the head of Columbia and was like, listen, I want to see Jurassic Park more than Last Action Hero. And I wrote the fucking movie. They spent so much money on this movie and in post-production like with merchandise video games they had a 20 million dollar burger king promotion they had a four-story inflatable jack slater at the Cannes film festival i'm like why what was the point of why? that who with the Cannes film festival was like perfect thank you um it's so God. confusing too until you've seen the movie who jacks you know like yeah. it's also like kind of dumb yeah it's like, it's easy to see what went wrong with Last Action Hero. I don't think it's a mystery or anything like that. But it does no. make you wish that there was a better movie because there's so many elements of it that do work and that are that are fun. And it, it's definitely an interesting piece of pop culture, I feel like. From yeah, that. it is. It is. It is. I think it's gotten better with time. Like, it's people have loved it more, I think, as it's... I yeah. Like it has, like, a VHS following. Like, it's done kind of well in terms of VHS sales. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, like, I think that I'm being the hardest on it, but also imagining like the Ryan Reynolds version that we would have now. Like, Free Guy is terrifying. So at that point, I love it. <laughs> you know, I think it probably would be a video game. Unfortunately, I, I didn't realize that the original theater was, uh, or the original the guy who works at the theater, played by uh, Robert Prosky. Uh, mm -hmm. The productionist was originally supposed to be the devil. He was supposed to be more of a villainous character. There was no golden ticket. Like I guess Zach Penn, the writer, and his partner were like, "We don't know what the fuck is up with the golden ticket. We didn't write that shit. We don't know what it is." Yeah, okay. um, it's one of the most confusing parts too, because the way he like goes into the movie world is by like a roll of dynamite coming through, and I'm like, "So dynamite blew up, and now he's in a movie." <laughs> kid's dead right, what? Like, what happened? <laughs> yeah. yeah that's what i was like he blows i don't know up if i remember theater. this right but like is he at the end is he just gonna wake up on a gurney and it's like you almost died kid you were in a coma got blown up by dynamite <laughs> that old projectionist threw dynamite in the theater yeah, like what the fuck is <laughs> he tried to kill you <laughs> yeah it's a it's it there's there's, there's a lot getting thrown at you it, it doesn't, doesn't all end. it doesn't all end and right. that's that's okay you know I love that Schwarzenegger blamed the movie's bad performance on Bill Clinton. <laughs> Pardon me? Oh, I read that too. Yeah. You said How? that he thought that Bill Clinton made people think of action movies as being like shitty or like lowbrow or something like that. How did Bill Clinton all Bill do Clinton's that? fault. He thinks Bill Clinton ruined his movie. Though. Cool. <laughs> what an insane time at the box office though, man. Like this movie, Jurassic Park and Cliffhanger is the top three. I wow. mean, fuck, what a time. Yeah. I mean, Jurassic Park must have come out and they were just like, well, fuck. Oh, yeah. When Jurassic Park came out, they were like, we're so fucked right now. We're so fucked. Yeah, it did bad. It lost It lost some money. It didn't do too well. And that's what happened. What's the phone number of the store? 555-2310. Five, 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 okay, what's your home number? That's okay. You can give it to him. I'm a police officer. 555-3812. Five, 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 Amazing. I'm willing to bet that everyone has a 555 number. So? So? There can only be 9,999 numbers that start with 555. How many people live in L.A.? Eight or nine million. Aha! Uh -huh. That's why we have area codes. Oof! Is this your kid? This? Oh, no. This is a mental patient, and I'm going to take him downtown. Come on. So, Last Action Hero has a 39%. It also has a 47% audience score. Yeah. 
Mike LaSalle, the San Francisco Chronicle, gave the movie an F. He said, the script is weak and unrelenting. The stunts are unspectacular. The special effects are nothing you haven't seen before. But worst of all, there's the spectacle of Schwarzenegger glorifying the wonder and the wonder of Schwarzenegger. Rick Rohn of the Globe and Mail said, it's not a bomb at all. A dud is more like it. Last Action Hero isn't interesting enough Isn't interesting enough to be explosively bad. For all the inflated pyrotechnics on the screen, the picture seems consistently gray and almost pitiably small. I love this very dated review from the Christian Science Monitor. The strongest emotion it whips up is an overwhelming desire to stop your ears against the stupid dialogue, bombastic sound effects, and atrocious music that assaults you in every second, courtesy of dynamic digital sound, a diabolical new development in technological overkill. Surely no movie would feel the need to be so loud. What, what is this again? Christian Science Monitor? Yeah. Do people this movie's loud subscription right now? A loud ass movie. Tom Hibbert of Empire said this is an attempt to be both a high octane action fest and a satire on such films, the result of which is the weirdest concoction, the metaphysical blockbuster. No wonder it tanked. The metaphysical blockbuster sounds interesting when you say it like that, though. Yeah, yeah and like how many of them are there? Exactly. Roger Ebert gave this movie a mixed review, though. He said, for all of its sensational stunts and flashes of wit, however, Last Action Hero plays more like a bright idea than like a movie that was thought through. It doesn't evoke the mystery of the barrier between audience and screen the way Woody Allen did. And a lot of the time, it simply seems to be standing around commenting on itself. Yeah, I think that's a pretty... There you go, Raj. Who's your MVP for Last Action Hero? I'm going Tom Noonan. I think I am too. I think I am too. I do like the mom in some of the scenes, but... Yeah, I think I'm going Tom Noonan. And probably Shane Black. Yeah, Shane Black probably did some good contributions. Like top, I got he had some other also. quote about William Goldman. He's like, they bring in this fucking Academy Award-winning screenwriter who everybody thinks is great to polish up the characters, and all he does is write fart jokes. Apparently, all the fart jokes are William Goldman. That's <laughs> like pretty Zach, funny. Zach Penn said he was so embarrassed at the premiere because people kept asking him and his writing partner, did you write all those fart jokes? And they were like, no, that was the Oscar winner. <laughs> My MVP is the little kid that like falls off. The kid in the movie version in the beginning. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That kid was like, better. That should have been like that just been. slides off. I thought you meant it was the fart kid. You He's know, like some three. kids you see like growing up, especially boys that have like that glaze of like sweat over their face, where mm-hmm. you just like you know that they're just like fucking farting and just like have weird like shit yeah. coming out of them all the yeah. time, just letting it like. Yeah. Hop yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, fucking slingshot in his back pocket is just coated in shit. He's that kid pulls his pants down all the way at the urinal. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> it's always that one kid. I still do that when I go to the bathroom. Yeah. Like, a grown man that does that and just yeah. like makes eye contact with other men in the bathroom. You guys like the movie? Uh, I should start doing that. See what happens. Uh, it's funny how it goes full circle from little boy to old man, like the circle of life of just like old man, little boy at bathroom with their pants at their ankles. I can't wait to be an old man so I can just drop my pants to my ankles uh, like when I go to the bathroom because yeah. no one's going to say anything. You get away no, with yeah. shit after yeah. the age of 70, 80. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to like ask some guy, I'm like, you help me pull my pants up son <laughs> take my cock for me uh, <laughs> like i don't know where i am <laughs> uh, i'm gonna go to jail all right final rating on last action hero i think it's kind of a train wreck Everyone, it is a, it's a train wreck that definitely has a cold following i also I think like, it's like pretty good in some parts i feel like most of the movies we talk about in this series are either going to be cult movies or masterpieces i think it's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of that but yeah this one is definitely kind of a train wreck i kind of love it yeah, I, I think it's just because it lives it, it, in a it, little it. space in my heart. 
sure like, oh my brothers and i like watching this a million times when we were little and it's not good and it misses the mark <laughs> on some stuff but i fucking love it and watching yeah. it again yesterday i was like why haven't i watched this in 15 years globotech defense systems In a secret lab, the world's most advanced military microprocessor has been created. But the Cold War is over. For Globotech to survive, new markets must be found. Now, all that power has been placed into the brain of a fighting machine unlike any known to man. They made it strong. They made it clever. They made it small. They made a mistake. Commandos, attack! I'm talking about toys that are so smart, when kids play with them, they play back. Chip Hazard reporting for duty. You put munitions, chips, and toys? <laughs> Big action. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm having an aneurysm. Big trouble. Last chance, scum. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Big movie. They might be defective. What are you packing, Tiny? Packing you. Small soldiers. You'd have to be crazy not to be scared. Small Soldiers, directed by John Dante. So, like, so, I did it again. Dude, I... Who is John Dante? I don't know. I, I just I think you're starting early. to say Dante. So, like, yeah, Joe Dante You're right. Is Joe Dante. Jante. Jante. <laughs> of Gremlin's fame. Gremlins fame. He yeah, I thought you Gremlins. liked Gremlins. Gremlins is one of my favorite movies of, like, this category. Yeah, and you thought a guy named John Dante made him. He directed Listen. Gremlins? Yeah, yeah, he sure did, buddy. He just made the same fucking movie. Well, no, he didn't. But anyway. No, but... <laughs> Dante returns okay. to the toy world nearly a decade and a half after the invention of Gizmo and picks up the amped up toys from the Y2K generation. Um, they look like G.I. Joe's kind of. Specifically, this film centers on a toy company who has been acquired by like a defense contractor called Globotech. Run by Dennis Leary. Yes, and <laughs> the the toy inventor is played by like a simpy David Cross, my favorite. And Jay Moore. Yeah, oh, and Jay Moore. He's been on the podcast a lot. Anyways, their most recent invention is called Larry's Commando Elite, and they have sworn sworn enemies called the Gorgonites, and they're released into the market without testing. They end up in the hands of a teenager, Alan, whose dad keeps him in charge of watching the family toy store, where they are taken home by his major crush, Christy, played by Kirsten Dunst. The two teenagers quickly become entwined in the Commando Elite and Gorgonites war, except that the J.I. Joe-like toys attack their young caretakers and the Gorgonites are the ones helping the teens in need. This film is kind of like Gremlins meets Toy Story with like a little bit of Mars attacks in it. I feel like that's maybe how it was pitched. That's basically the movie. These toys attack you. The ones that you kind of expected to be the bad guys because they're like kind of weird and fucked up looking or better. And then the militaristic ones are spooky and scary. I guess it's a little bit of child's play too. Yeah. I thought this movie was PG maybe with PG-13, which makes sense. It's a weird... And then it ended up getting a 13 rating. Yeah, the kind of movie that is not really necessarily for kid kids and not necessarily for like adults, um, but it is a a commentary on the way that we were spoon feeding 
violence to American youth, I guess, in the 90s, but without being like conservative or like it, it doesn't have like yeah. this conservative reactionary. It's it's not the it's not the reactionary response that a lot of liberals and, and conservatives from the late 80s were were giving to these types of movies. Uh, because Joe Dante's the fucking man and is a lot smarter and goes further and like Starship Troopers is really interrogating the militarization of America in movies and uh, how we sell that to children. Yeah, I think this movie is uh, at its core a lot darker than Last Action Hero. Yeah. But whereas Last Action Hero, I was like, oh, it could have gone like hard R. I feel like this one could have just like gone PG. Like it could have been like even. I mean, maybe I just miss Gizmo. I think that even Gremlins is PG thirteen, isn't it? Oh, okay. Yeah, actually, Gremlins is really fucking scary. I like this movie a lot better than that Last Action Hero, but I wish that we would have spent a little more time with the toy that's like the head of the Gargonauts a little bit more. Um, I think Franklin Jella. Yeah, and I just think that like because the big difference is like Gremlins is like a tactical, and so is like Child's Play, another movie that I ride hard for. I think that those movies, the toys in them are a lot more tactical where these rely on a lot of like special effects. This is just one of those movies that I somehow slips through the studio cracks, I feel like, and is kind of like a lot of critics of the time. It was funny reading the critical reaction to this movie because unlike Last Action Hero where like, I can like critics clearly understood what the point of the movie was and how much mm-hmm. it was missing the mark and it was a mess and that makes sense. With small soldiers, I was just like, we will not get it. They just seemed to really not get it in a way that was like, are you fucking stupid? You're not a oh, child who can't fully grasp the satire here. I feel like you should be able to get that it's like a joke based on like Phil Hartman being in it, based on David Cross being in it, based on Sherry O'Terry being in it. It's like, this is a joke. No, Their last think- names are all kind of stupid. Yeah, no, but I- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just like to know Joe Dante's work and then not know that he's, you know, making a critical satire of American imperialism. And it's just the way that violence is is sold to us. And and um, I don't know, is 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 kind of crazy to me. Have you seen the newest Child's Play, the one that starred Aubrey Plaza as no. a mom? Mm-hmm. I think it's good. But like, it also has a toy. So like, now Chucky was able to do like what these toys did kind of and like learn the internet. Like the toys are now like learning things. Right, right. Um, and that's like basically what the new Chucky is. But I also think Chucky maybe has GPS. I think that the new Child's Play works. No, I'll watch it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's su- like, and I think that you like Aubrey Plaza. So like, if you kind of want her to just to be like the mom yeah. in a movie, she's also really good at it. But yeah, so these toys, like, I think that the movie obviously has me once Kirsten Dunst is in it, which is pretty early. And then once that you see that the toys are like on the internet, I was like, okay, this is dope. Because this is the first time you had seen it. And Chad, you said you went, to, you had a birthday party. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the big boys bash. Boys are going to see small 98. soldiers. I saw this with my mom at City Walk. I remember that. I'm trying to think what my birthday, oh, my birthday movie this year was Mafia, another Jay Moore banger. That's right, baby. It's a spoof on Godfather and like mob movies with Jay Moore. Yeah. I, God. That, like in the intro, they play that Mambo Italiano song. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. Uh, um, that helps a lot. Thank you. There's his brother. That movie's PG 13, but his brother character in it is supposed to be like Fredo, but he's just like a horrible cokehead. Uh, there's a scene of him just blowing coke and having uh, an erection so large that it keeps knocking everything in the room over. It's a Sucker Brothers movie. <laughs> <laughs> But I remember seeing that and then disturbing behavior around my birthday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember disturbing behavior, of course. Oh. I was like a little more up my alley, but 
I think that Kirsten Dunst like acts the main kid under the table. Uh, I don't think the main kid's as bad as the kid in Last Action Hero. I just think that like Kirsten Dunst is clearly going to be very famous. She's good. She's selling it better than he is for sure. He looks so much younger than her to me for some. Yeah, I think he's supposed to be though, right? He's like a year younger than her, but like like, also girls do develop like that. Yeah, yeah that like has dating, a like a yeah. cool guy on a motorcycle. What does he say? He's like he's got a line where he's like, "Oh, the lights are out." You know what this means? Or like, he has or your inc- parents aren't home. Yeah, yeah. He has an incredible reaction that I really love when that when Kirsten Dunst is getting picked up by him from the toy store, and the guy on the motor, the kid on the motorcycle, like looks at the main kid and he's like, "Hey, you're that kid that set his old school on fire." And then the main kid's like kind of joking, he's like, "Yep, just just to watch it burn." And then the kid on the motorcycle goes, "Whatever." Yeah. <laughs> drives off. Yeah. This kid does not seem like a kid that was like a former baddie to me. He seems pretty boring. No, the kid from Last Action Hero would have been a better fit for that part. I would have bought yeah, that kid. Yeah, that kid definitely. I burned like, my school down because they said I smelled like shit. Yeah, like you passed um, a note that said the N-word. Like I I could believe that. <laughs> That's why he got kicked out of his school. That's oh what you were God. supposed to be rooting for. So what you get kicked <laughs> yeah, like out for? I said that, the like, revenge porn. Yeah, whatever, kid. <laughs> That's sick. There was one critic who really did get this movie at the time. It was Jonathan Rosenbaum who wrote for the Chicago Reader and he loved it. He gave it four stars. He said it was a masterpiece. And he wrote this really great review that I would recommend people read online. You can read it on his website where he, because a few weeks after this comes out, Saving Private Ryan comes out. Um, And he writes a dual review of Small Soldiers and Saving Private Ryan. That's really brilliant. And talks about the fact that Small Soldiers is actually a better anti-war movie than Saving Private Ryan. And Mm -hmm. talks about how Saving Private Ryan is still kind of caught up in glorifying these American values and things like that. And Small Soldiers is actually like way more intelligent and brave and kind of more of a radical I mean, piece of filmmaking, obviously. And same with Ryan again, I haven't seen that movie in a very long time. I know that it's yeah. very well made and has some really great scenes in it. But what he's trying yeah. to say that like Saving Private Ryan is part of the machine that is like selling the heroics of war and small yeah. soldiers is like actually making commentary on like the war machine. Yeah. I thought it was a really great review. And like, I, I, I miss critics writing reviews like that. Armin White is still probably mm-hmm. one of our only critics that does find these parallels that are oftentimes interesting and oftentimes really bizarre. Like Small Soldiers like has like these like set pieces or moments that are just really funny. Like you were talking about the Sarah Michelle Geller part earlier. Mm-hmm. And like, that is such a fun, like 15 minute, little interlude that the film the Barbie has dolls. Where, yeah mm-hmm. yeah he takes out like the memory card from his like dead friend's head and then puts it in a bunch of Barbie dolls that talk and want to go to prom so there's lines I mean, of dialogue that they I was gonna say they they feed Sarah incredible. Michelle Geller some of the mm-hmm. best lines I mean she does have a voice that can like really sell yeah. like silly billy shit like i i mean obviously i love her no one no one's surprised about that but she's really fun it's just like this doll her, her and christina, christina ricci, ricci yeah. yeah they have their their line the ones that were down were what's your sign big boy are you dumping me all my makeup yeah. is cruelty free and one of them was just that you, one seems so new too i was like oh that <laughs> you, you come here often and then i love if you can't accessorize pulverize Mm-hmm. oh yeah it's a it's a great script it's a really good script it's a great script and like they don't over they don't go overboard with that too it's like over and done with pretty quickly no it's fun i mean i think yeah. that like if anything i would say like the movie's biggest flaws that i think it mm, runs out of fuel a little bit towards the end i think it just kind I of hit, so it too. hits yeah it hits a lot of its beats early on and then it doesn't really quite know where to take it well and that's um, why i was saying like i think that we should have been like closer with the toys because i think that like again it's kind of like 
last action hero where you're supposed to at the end like really worry for the Gorgonauts. Like yeah. I wasn't that worried and I don't really care. I mean, also I do think that Gremlins is like one of the best movies ever made. I love Gremlins. That's but true. like something about Gremlins is that like you were so immediately invested with the life of Gizmo. Gizmo right. Like apparently originally he wrote it so Gizmo died and Spielberg was like, you cannot kill that thing. <laughs> you cannot kill fucking what? Gizmo. And I'm not saying that like I want them to be the same movie, but I do think that like you could have made the Gorgonauts like a little bit more of characters in the movies so you do worry sure. about them a little more and i think that that would have caused it to like drag a little less we could be more endeared to yeah to i just want to be a little closer to them the and maybe maybe he didn't want to just do like gremlins part two but... yeah and he seems to be more invested in satirizing the the soldier characters yeah. and their dialogue and the, tommy lee jones is a great choice He's just fucking great. And I love his line where he says, ask, ask not what your country can do for you. Only regret that you only have one life to live. Um, yeah. It's just incredible. Everything with Phil Hartman's character is so fucking good. His last, entire last character. Movie for him his too. last movie, yeah. I know. It came it out. It was released after he passed, right? Yeah, two months after he died. Fuck. He has a line where he says, I, I think World War II is my favorite war. It's so good. Yes. I swear World I, War II like, is it has my to be war. like improvised too. It's so funny. Like the scene where he's like setting up the TV and it's yes. like fine and he keeps messing with it. And then the mom's like pictured on the couch like a few scenes later, just like asleep. Drinking a gin and tonic. Yeah. Yeah. The mom's drinking a gin and tonic. They also have a bunch of coding in their medicine cabinet, I noticed. Yeah. yeah. But when Phil Hartman's setting up the TV and he's like, he's like, what's wrong with the picture quality? And they realize they're watching watching a police chase and you just see a guy on a motorcycle crash into another car and probably die and Hartman like changes the channel he's like oh that's better and then it just goes to the dirty dozen <laughs> I don't think anybody will ever play a dickhead dad or like an asshole neighbor mm -mm. as well as Phil Hartman did that's true no He's incredible. He was the best. No, there's there's not another Phil Hartman. The same way there's a lot of guys better. There's not another Chris Farley. Kirsten Dunst has a line when they're all in the house and the, the toy soldiers are outside trying to get in uh, and they put on Spice Girls and oh, yeah. they're like, they're trying to like break us down. They're trying to weaken us. And Kirsten Dunst has a line where she says, the Marines did this against Noriega. I was like, there's no way that this yeah. movie, like, how could you not? Know. know what this movie is doing here <laughs> like I making references just, i just think that like both of these movies show like how tiresome um like centering like a white little boy is after like so many years of doing it like because sure, yeah. her character is like ultimately more interesting like i don't care that he has like a kind of like somewhat difficult home life her home life is like so much more interesting phil hartman's her dad and they like spoil her younger brother that's cute like that's funnier like just stay with her longer like yeah. but it has to yeah. go to him it has to be about both of like the white little boys and it's like pick pick kirsten she's so much more interesting here it's so interesting also the way that this movie in a very 90s way is kind of unpacking our general like amazement with like technology and its developments and always wanting to have the new and like hottest thing the way that mm -hmm. they use the phil hartman character to do that but it's interesting like how much things have like reversed in a way where the great scene where the kid calls the toy company's customer service and it's sherry o'terry um, who oh, speaks yeah, to him so as a human funny. being like a robot. That's one of the funniest scenes in the movie. It's so great. And then I love it. The, yeah, and then he's like, like, can I talk to a machine? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like this reverse thing where all of us today are just like begging to talk to a human being. Just I've had so many meltdowns on the phone just being like, for the love of God, you know, get me to a fucking human being. Mm -hmm. And this kid just being like, just give me to a fucking robot. I don't care. I also love Sherry O'Terry at the end of that. Just saying, have a great day, ma'am. Yeah. Being like, I'm a boy because that totally happened to me as a little boy. And me, I remember being so, so 
self-conscious i was like do i sound like a girl <laughs> like that scene is fucking incredible i think dennis leary is really well cast as dennis the leary the- is really well cast then I, I do like that like even the dad that's supposed to be like the better dad than phil hartman is still just like a fucking salad at the end <laughs> like they're like oh, everyone yeah, has course. their price yeah yeah leary's line in the beginning when he's talking about like you know can the toys really can we make them like actually you know move around and like do all this crazy shit and they're like yeah i don't know that seems kind of crazy and he's like just fucking do it they're like i don't know it seems kind of violent he's like just say it's action not violence kids love action mm-hmm. yeah I that is that. funny <laughs> i mean and uh david cross is really fucking good here i love yeah. him in this mode of being pathetic like i guess that's sort of his arrested development mode too but i fucking love the guy so yeah i mean it has a fucking great cast i agree with you that it could be a little breezier i think Again, I don't dislike him as much as the last action hero kid, but I just think that like both movies, they tether you to their least good performance. Yeah. And, and and like in this one, it's more forgivable because like he's surrounded by like great actors and a little girl who becomes one of our great actresses. Yeah. I feel for him a little bit more. I don't necessarily think it's him. I think he's on cute, but he's fine. He's just kind of like doesn't register, I feel like. Yeah. He's just a kid. What was he on? Like, They're both just little like zits. They're just yeah. a couple of slices of cheese pizza. He does look like a zit. Oh, he was on Everwood, which I never watched, but he was yeah, on Everwood. Care. He he's in something oh, else. Harry at the Spy. Oh god. Is that what it is? Harry at the Spy, Krippendorf's Tribe. I can't he what does is that? look like Krippendorf's Tribe. You remember Krippendorf's Tribe? I just is... remember that and Jungle to Jungle were the same movie to me. Krippendorf's Tribe is Richard Dreyfus and Jungle to Jungle is Tim Allen. Put some fucking respect on their names. <laughs> I oh, think that this movie. With a shotgun. Oh. Oh, okay. I think this is this okay. movie is a maybe because it's also thirty minutes shorter. I think it's a lot more rewatchable than Last Action Hero for me. I'm not saying yeah. that it doesn't still drag, but I think that you could like get something new out of this movie when you watch it again. Joe Dante gets does it, get man. it. He gets it, man. He gets is he, it. Is he making movies right now? No, he has a great podcast called The Movies That Made Me that he co-hosts with Josh Olson, where they talk to filmmakers and, and other artists about the movies that really defined their lives or inspired them growing up. It's a great podcast. You know what I've never seen is The Howling. I need to see it. Oh, movie. I've seen The Howling. I need to see it. I've never seen it. And he directed Gremlins too, right? One of the great sequels. Yeah. Damn, yeah. he does a lot of TV. He directed 10 episodes of Hawaii Five-0. What the Weird. Oh. Gremlins 2 is fucking tight. He's doing a movie about Roger Corman. That's interesting. Okay. Huh. Never seen Inner Space. I haven't seen Inner Space either. I did. I missed when I was younger so much of the voice actors. Like the Gorgonites are all Spinal Tap guys. Yeah. 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 What if these toys actually could talk? What if they could walk? What if they could actually kick ass? I'm talking about toys that are so smart when kids play with them, they play back. Toys and short gentlemen that actually do what they do in the commercials. Well, that's an interesting idea. Forget about this battery's not included crap. We're going to stick in a lifetime Globotech lithium cell. Keep these things running forever. You know, that kind of uh, computing power doesn't really seem feasible right now. We can make missiles that can hunt down one unlucky bastard 7,000 miles away and stick a nuclear warhead right up his ass. I don't think we're going to have a problem with this. Don't you think that's a, um, a bit violent? Exactly. So don't call it violence. Call it action. Kids love action. It has a 48%. It has a 45% audience score. I I, I kind of just wanted to focus on the two reviews mm-hmm. here that I think were the most interesting. One negative review being from Roger Ebert, who I feel like even if Roger, even if I don't agree with Roger Ebert, I feel like he usually can get on a movie's level or try to understand where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he has these blind spots and this was one of them. It was just weird to read a review by him that just 
completely missed the mark. He said, what bothered me most about Small Soldiers is that it didn't tell me where to stand, what attitude to adopt. In movies for adults, I like that quality, but here is a movie being sold to kids with a lot of toy tie-ins and ads on the children's TV channels. Below a certain age, they act like they like to know what they can count on. When Barbie clones are being sliced and diced by a lawnmower, are they going to understand the satirical purpose? Roy Rogers died the other day, and that reminded me of how gentle and innocent his movies were. Sure, we called them shoot 'em ups but Roy spent more time singing than shooting. Kids didn't leave the theater in a state of shock. Now they go to a kiddie movie, and there are scenes where toy characters are disemboweled and vivisected, and body parts crawl around in the street separated from one another. Then there are other scenes that are perfectly innocent. We get two movies for the price of one. The nice movie would have been enough. I just don't oh. understand how he missed the mark that yeah yeah that's like that's a strange do, review yeah I don't think it's that brutal like i was no. gonna say i don't think that it's that brutal and i also don't think they're trying to this. sell anything oh yeah. yeah i also do think it has a point of view where it does kind of tell you where it stands it's just like not trying to like make no, it just doesn't shove yeah. it down your throat yeah it's just weird it, to hear a, a critic like roger would say like tell me what to think it's yeah. crazy to me yeah or like kids need to be told what they think yeah that's weird yeah I read somewhere that the reason it's PG-13 was because of the drugs being slipped into Phil Hartman and his wife's in the movie. Oh, that makes sense. That's why it ultimately got bumped up from PG to PG-13. Like nothing to do with violence or like, yeah, which I don't feel that it's incredibly violent. It's not. No. But yeah, they're toys like their heads popped off. Yeah. And then, yeah, we I mentioned him earlier. Jonathan Rosemont for the Chicago Reader wrote a really, I think, very interesting review that he's revisited about Small Soldiers and and, and Saving Private Ryan and kind of tying in the you know fact that Spielberg produced Small Soldiers and Small Soldiers is also in a way inherently kind of skewering the Spielbergian view of America. You know, he kind of just talked about how Small Soldiers was released as a summer movie for small children with multiple commercial commercial tie-ins. And that's kind of how the movie was reviewed. That's how it was treated. And I think it's this really interesting piece that you can read the whole thing on his website, I would recommend, where he just talks about the way that we're sold movies and the way that our preconceived notions of them can define how we accept them. And I think that's a lot of what this podcast is about is talking about movies on their own level and 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 not just looking writing them off as what they're kind of sold to us as. And he talks about, you know, how in contrast, the same media perceived Saving Private Ryan almost immediately as a serious art film. Like Schindler's List and Amistad, it was earmarked long before any reviewer saw it as a prestige item, a highly personal project and consequently a brave commercial risk on the part of both Spielberg and DreamWorks. The fact that the New Yorker advertised a promotional interview with Spielberg on its cover by describing Saving Private Ryan as the film to end all wars was emblematic enough of the responses to the film elsewhere. Reviewers found it to be both serious and adult, further evidence of Spielberg's growing maturity as a filmmaker and a far cry from the money-grubbing cynicism and exploitative nature of something like Small Soldiers, which many of the most influential American film critics criticized for its violence, hypocrisy, and capacity to traumatize small children. No such criticism was waged against Saving Private Ryan because the much more graphic violence of the Normandy Beach sequence was taken to be a healthy jolt of reality. It's a really interesting piece that just talks about, I think, our perceptions of both of these movies and, and what they're purporting to sell us and what they're purporting to criticize. And yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's pretty great. Who's the MVP of Small Soldiers? Phil Hartman? I think he's... He's selling it the most. I like Kirsten Dunst. I like Phil Hartman. I think like the voice work of Sarah Michelle Gellar and Christina Ricci. I think Phil's energy is matching the the tone of the movie the best. Yeah. Yeah, probably is Phil Hartman. And I I think Tommy Lee Jones is a really inspired Oh, yeah. He's really fucking good. 
I'd probably go between those two and Joe Dante for just, you know, being there, being able to execute his vision. Final rating. I think this is a future cult classic. Yeah. I think it's also just good. Like, I think it's just a good movie that it's a cult classic. And yeah, this seems like something that would play though. And again, like once my nephews get old enough, I would love to show them this, (laughs) that, that like militaristic shit is like already in their head or like even things like Sonic are just like, so um, combative. I thought that Stan Winston would had created a ton of practical effects for this mm-hmm. movie and either something with the budget or some something on the production side was like, no, we need to push for more CGI and ended up scrapping a ton. I think this could have like a more expensive. assured chance of becoming a cult classic or like having a resurgence now if it had mm-hmm. been like if it had been all practical effects. Sure. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would love to see a double feature of this in Starship Troopers. I think that would be fun. We'll tell people where they can find, where can they find this? They're both like streaming for free on things that I bet you have, or you can get the password from your friends. Last Action Hero is streaming on Netflix, and Small Soldiers is streaming on Amazon Prime. Next week, we're screening two Bruce Willis bangers. Thank God. Um, one of my favorite <laughs> movies. Actually, I love both of those these movies so much. The Last Boy Scout and Die Hard with a Vengeance. And we will be joined by our favorite 9-11 crank, Jake Uris. But right now, we, we got to thank Chad for, for coming back. Yeah, thanks, dude. Thank you. My pleasure. Yes. I love yes. talking about toys. Yeah, like... I love toys so much. <laughs> Me and my boys go and see the toy movie. Happy to have you back. Where where can people find you online? Yeah, do you do want, you want them, them to? Too? Oh, um, <laughs> sure. They, they can follow my... Uh my personal handle i don't have any other actually i do have other handles but i don't secret you got burner accounts i have like a photography one and i have a food one and i have a one for my dog that wow your dog has a lot of accounts i did not know about uh but all of them have like no photos they're things that i started and then quickly walked away from i think that's why i only do the one account and i just put everything on it i posted on a photography one for a while uh they can find me at chad wicca chad Chad wicca Chadwick oh. A. Chadwick A. If they want to just see what I'm doing in my personal There you life. are. Yeah, and to, to our listeners, please make sure Ding. that you continue to follow us on all of our accounts. And most importantly, please subscribe to our Patreon. It's um, if you're not already listening to this on Patreon, we're on Patreon. That's where we are. That's where we live now. We live there now. We live there now. That's our new home. That's house. That's my house now. Yeah, you can find us there. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. All those fun, fun Yeah, apps. regram all the things we do. They're usually good. Do some regrams. Look at Chad's dog. Look at what he's eating. <laughs> That's what I have for dinner. Thank you for, for listening. Right. If you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friends. Make it last forever. Friendship never ends. If you want to be my lover, you have got to give. Taking it too easy, but that's the way it is. I can't direct a picture. I'm blind.